I'm going to be in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, I just encourage you to go to the book of Acts. We'll start in chapter 16, then probably move to chapter 2. We'll jump around, but get it open to the book of Acts. I'm going to pray, and then, uh, then we're going to dive in for just a few moments. Would you bow with me? And as we open the word, Lord, we are... Uh, we're in desperate need, and we realize again and again and again, and all we like sheep are gone astray. At the moment we have opportunity, everyone does what's right in their own eyes, and we go astray. And that's our penchant. That's our drive. It's just what we do. And the Lord, you laid on him, on Christ our Savior, the iniquity, the sin of us all. He paid for all that. Ernest played it. We sing it. We know it in our hearts. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. And we know the biggest problems in society today, they look like a socioeconomical or political and they're power-driven and greedy, and we see all that. What's harder for us to get our head around is the arrogance and the disrespect and the, and the violence. And, and, but if we can get past all that, we see at the root of all this is that we have all gone astray and we are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. We call upon you, Lord, because we see the mess we have made and we ask you to rescue us in the midst of this and to be part of the remedy. May we be part of the remedy, not only as we head to heaven, but here on earth. May we be light, may we be hope, and may we be certainly help, we pray. Now as we open the word, would you enlighten our hearts and our eyes to see uh, just how good it could be. And, and we could make every day, not just Sunday special, but every day special. We pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. And the church says, Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you have a Bible open, and it's open to the book of Acts. I want to take just a few moments and talk with you. Last Sunday, we talked about making Sunday special. If you weren't here for that, let me just encourage you to hop online, go to southpotomac.org. You can catch that message online. And, um, but how do you make, I want to talk today just for a little bit about how do you make every day, not just Sunday special, but every day special. But in, in other words, why the I'm going to assume something, that you trusted Christ as Savior, and we talked about what it means to follow the Lord in faith. Why didn't the day you trusted Christ, why didn't he just zap you and take you to heaven? And the answer is really simple. Galatians chapter 6 puts it this way. Therefore, as we have opportunity, Paul writes, let us do good to all people. You're to do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Another version says, to the household of faith. You are left on earth to do good to all people, to be an influence for good, but especially to those brothers and sisters in your circle of faith. Ephesians puts it this way, Ephesians chapter 5, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Any of you know a fool? Raise your hand. Don't point, just raise. You know a fool. You're not acting like you know a fool. You know what a fool, you've seen a fool, right? Yeah, you've driven... Yeah, and you go, what a fool. Yeah, right? You know what a fool looks like. Yeah. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. You make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil, so you make the most of what you have. And so we are an influence for good. We're making the most. And one more passage, Colossians chapter 4. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Those outside of the faith. Why? Because they're watching and they're critiquing the faith. So you act... Be careful the way you act towards outsiders and make the most, why? Because this is the day of, there's our word again, opportunity. So the reason the Lord left you here on earth 
is not just to take up space and to cheer for the home team. It's for you to be an influence for good and to look for those opportunities. We've talked about this now for a few weeks. I want to hit it one more time. It's the three concentric circles, believe, belong, become. Believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, belong to a fellowship, and become what you never thought you could become again. You could become a new creation in Christ. Believe, let me start there, just for a moment. Acts chapter 16. Uh, the story goes like this. Uh, there's a group of believers. There's turmoil and trouble. And a guy says, I am in trouble and I'm going to lose my life if I'm not careful here. And he's asked the question to the guys, what can I do to be saved? How can I be rescued from the trouble that I'm in? And they respond, Acts 16 verse 30, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. In other words, this kind of faith isn't just good for you. This is good for your wife, your kids, your mama, your grandfather, everybody in the house. It will work. It is multi-generational. It's for every intellect. It's for a male, female. It doesn't matter who you are. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So three questions I want to ask you about your own personal faith. And as I ask this question, I want to make every day special. And so by doing that, we're not talking about the organization and I think that's important. Now we're just talking about the development of your heart. At the close of the service, I'm going to encourage you to go back into the lobby and check out some booths and get involved and get engaged. That's important organizationally because you need those organizations to help you. Some of you need to be involved in some overseas work and some of you need to be involved with kids and some of you need to be involved with teens. And, uh, it, we, have, and we could open new ministries as well. Involvement's really good and organization's great. But what I want to talk about is the engagement of your own soul. And the first question I ask is, do I really trust God through Jesus Christ? Not just for heaven, but for all of my life. That's a great question. For all of my life. Some Christians, we trust Jesus Christ to get us to heaven, but we don't trust him for meeting our needs today, dealing with our issues tomorrow, how to handle our schedule next month. Do, do I really trust him? So what holds me back from really trusting him? Because I'll be honest with you, when I have trouble trusting the Lord, oftentimes it's not because the Lord's been unfaithful. Get this now. It's because other Christians are jerks. Can I get a witness? Right? Yeah, some of you said, I don't know a fool, but I do know a jerk Christian. Yeah, you'd raise your hand for that. And that's why I'm not asking. Yeah. Sometimes people on the outside make assumptions about Christians or put something on Christians. And sometimes Christians just act like idiots. Just, it's just what they are. And the reason is they're still at war inside. There's an old person, a sinful old person, and there's a new person, and it's in conflict. And as long as it's in conflict, you're going to feel a bit of that shake within them. You want the new person to grow as the old person diminishes, but that conflict is what you're witnessing. So don't let them rob you of the joy of the Christian life because theirs isn't joyful. Hope you get that. Don't, let, don't put that on them because sometimes people make assumptions about Christians that just aren't true. Like once you trust Jesus, everything you do is going to be perfect. No, it's not. It's not. People make assumptions of Christians all the time that just are not true. People think that um, well, when I, when I was growing up, I told you this, my dad was a, a pastor, and um, when I was in high school, uh, my mom and dad had an opportunity, there was a, a great Bible preacher 
in London, uh, I don't know how many years ago, 100, 150 years ago, by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a great preacher. He was the Billy Graham today. He was the Billy Graham of Europe then, and, and quite a great preacher. Well, there was going to be a conference there, and so they actually chartered planes out of the U.S., and it was full of pastors. Can you imagine? No one on that plane got a tip. I'm just thinking. <laughs> they all went, oh, God bless you. I don't want a blessing. I want a tip. Okay. <laughs> but there, they, there were hundreds or thousands of people going, and my mom and dad got on a plane and flew to London and went to this conference with a bunch of pastors and had a wonderful time. And I... And I was in high school at the time, and they come back, and I said, how was the trip? Oh, great, but you're never going to believe what happened, Dave. I said, what happened? He said, uh, the things people believe about preachers. I said, what, what happened? He said, well, we got on the plane, and we left London, and um, it was a straight flight back. I think it was to Chicago. It may have been to New York City, but it was a long flight. They get one hour into the air, and, so, and they announce the plane is out of coffee. How could this be? Well, then the pilot gets on and said, we heard it was a ministerial flight, and honest to gosh, we thought preachers did not drink coffee. <laughs> this flight's going back. We're going back, and we're loading up on coffee, because we're not allowed to have a lot, but the stuff that we can have, we tend to overindulge on. <laughs> Coffee's one of them. Dad, I can't believe it. I said, how did you do? He said, I did pretty well. Your mother was a little cranky, but I did pretty well. <laughs> Mom wanted to jump out in Iceland somewhere for, just for a cup of coffee. That was the assumption they made. And so one hour in, they, were out, they only had what they packed for coffee, which wasn't much. People make assumptions about Christians all the time. They'll make assumptions about you. And you'll make assumptions about them. See, and don't let that steal the joy of really believing and really blowing through the, those obstacles. So you get through that so you can really trust. And, and the issue here is, is if you'll do that, you'll enjoy the joy of the Lord and full, full throttle faith. Okay? That's believing. Number two, belonging. Acts chapter one. These believers got all together. I find it interesting. They get together and they pray. And they're there with women. This is significant because that just didn't happen then. And Mary's there, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So this is multi-generational. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. The significant questions that we need to be asking about belonging is this. Do I have a, a significant, trusted Christian friendship? Do I have more than one? Do I have a cluster of them? This group actually gathered together and shared their hearts in prayer. This is a very vulnerable point. It's a small group of a band of people with whom you can be honest. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we lie to ourselves. We lie. We lie to other people. I'll be right there. I'm on my way. You know what that means? I just backed out of the driveway. They, you, you, you mean for it to be like, I'm, I can, I'm almost at the turn. Yeah, out of the subdivision, not into the parking lot of where you need to be. We lie all the time and the one we lie to the most is ourselves so you need this accountability around you just as significant players 
who will speak the truth. And I find it interesting, they gather together for something very essential, which is to pray. You need someone who will pray for you. You'll have one Lord, you have one faith, and have one hope, and you're all on one level. I love it when people pray for me and, and just ask the Lord, give him clarity of thought as he speaks, may be godly, may be consistent with his life, because you need that, but you don't have it unless you build it into your life. Um, this summer, Wanda and I uh, were able to get to the Saddleback Church's uh, conference, which is in Mission Viejo, Southern California, where Rick Warren is the pastor. Rick and Kay are husband and wife. Wonderful people. Written The Purpose Driven Life. You read that book. It's a bestseller book. I recommend it highly. Purpose Driven Life. But Rick and Kay have a son by the name of Matthew who from childhood had mental illness. Uh, severe cases of depression. Severe. And, um, and Wanda and I have known this for a long time and Rick has been very open about it. So years ago, Rick would talk about I stay home this day and sat on the couch with Matthew and all we do is read and I worked from my couch at home because I didn't want to leave him alone. He's, this is how depressed he was. And he would say to his dad, Dad, I just don't feel like living. And um, Rick and Kay did their very best, got great medical care for him, got good therapy, had him in and out of hospitals. But eventually, Matthew grew up and became an adult and went on his own and, and lived in town, but still lived this really, really depressed life. And he would say to his dad on occasion, I just don't feel like living anymore. Well, Easter a few years ago, they all went to church together. And of course, after the, the week after that, they, they met him for breakfast. They went out and had some time together. And then the next day, they didn't hear from him. And the next day, they said, we haven't heard from him. We need to stop by. And he didn't answer the door. And their biggest fear came true. He, he took his life. And Rick and Kay were absolutely devastated that their son took his life. But they'd done everything they could possibly do. Gave him the best doctors, the best therapy, everything. But it, they, they just couldn't save him. Rick says they wept over that. They hugged each other. They, they did all the processing they needed to do. And at the end of the day, they went home. And when they went home, their small group from their church was in their living room. And they got in the house and just stayed there. And they, they turned that into a house of prayer. And when Rick and Kay went down the hall to go to bed, the small group went to bed in the living room. And when they got up the next day, they were there. And the next day, they were there. And they didn't leave them. Because you know that's, that, that's it's not a healthy thing. You just need people around you, even though you don't want them. I tell you that to say this, all those invested relationships paid on that day, the most awful day of Rick's and Kay's lives. I tell you that because you, you don't want to take the time to invest, nor do I, but if you don't do that investing of belonging, if you don't pray together, have built, those built trust relationships, when you need them, it's too late to go get them. You can't hurry up and get them. It's like me, if I'm going to go to the dentist, I'm going on Wednesday, but I haven't brushed my teeth for three months. Well, <laughs> brushing like every hour between now and Wednesday isn't going to fix the damage, okay? It just isn't. You need, to, you need to brush every day, twice a day, or maybe for you, three times a day. 
And, and if you don't do that, you can't catch up fast enough. You can't do that in relationship either. You want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Secondly, you need to belong to something. And I encourage you, if you don't, you need to go get some trusted friends. Maybe that's your going right on the, on the card. I need a small group, but I need trusted friends, Dave. I, I've been in a group with jerks. I need trusted friends. It's okay. Number three, become. Here it is. The story goes like this in Acts chapter 11. Saul, who actually persecuted the church, then came to Jesus. And when he came to Jesus, they wanted to help him grow in the Lord, and he could be actually a teacher for them. And so they went looking for Saul because they lost him, because these guys are traveling. And so they went looking for Saul, and when they found him, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, I love this. He brought them to Antioch. It's a city. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, that, that doesn't sound all that significant of a verse, like a blow-by kind of a verse, but it's really huge because the word Christian had never appeared in the Bible, had never been used before, okay? It's just like, remember the first time you heard someone use the word Google? Remember that? I had a secretary, this was years ago, well, why don't you just Google that, Dave? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, Google it. I, I have no idea. What you, now, we Google stuff all the time, don't we? Yeah, the other day, a guy said to me, I remember my first internet. <laughs> my kids have no idea what that noise is. Yes, that's right. I had a Texas Instrument computer that Juan and I hooked up to our television. That was the monitor back then. We had to wire that thing. It's amazing we didn't burn the house down. <laughs> See, the, the word Christian had never appeared in Scripture. It had never been used. And what it meant was little Christs. Now, in light of that, now go back to that verse. They taught them for a year, and the disciples, these are the followers of Jesus, they were called little Christs. They had become something they were not before. After a year of, of learning the word of God from these two teachers, following all that, they became little, little followers, little Christ. And so you have to ask yourself, what is it a year from now I want to be? What am I becoming? And what is the person I really want to become? In other words, what is stalled out? What, what am I not even addressing? What... What is, what is short-circuited, keeping me from growing? What, and then ask yourself the question, what first step could I make? You know, when we were little kids, you'd go to third grade, and the teacher would ask, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And some kid raises his hand, fireman, I want to be a fireman. And, and so everybody goes, I want to be a fireman too. And, and then some kid in the back of the group goes, well, I want to start fires. And he marked that kid, he's... Probably going to go places. But anyway, people would say things. Like, like, I remember when I was a kid, the coolest thing you could be was an astronaut. You know, for me, it was more like, I want to be a trash collector. Right on the back of a truck, is that cool or what? Standing up. was never allowed to stand up in the car. I could stand up right on the back of the car, fresh air, all you can eat. <laughs> Life doesn't get any better. So. Anyway. I just didn't say trash collector, but I, I thought it in my head. 
You'd be surprised at the thoughts I have that I don't let out of my mouth. So. But, but you say, astronaut or fireman or policeman, I'm going to be a school teacher, I want to be a scientist, I want to invent things. And nobody ever says, I want to be a crooked Wall Street day trader. There's no kid, now there's a kid in the class that thinks that, but they don't actually say that. But what if we ask questions like this? What do I want to be, not by vocation, but by character? That's the great question of Martin Luther King, right? Uh, uh, you'll be known by the content of your character. What if, what if we challenged each other that a year from now, based upon good fellowship and good accountability and good teaching, what if I were more honest with myself? What if I were more prompt about my life and more attending to the details? What if I were more responsive to people? What if I were more emotionally engaged? What if I were more uh, virtuous? What if I had higher standards about my life than I put on other people? Forget putting standards on other people. I just work on standards for myself. And let me tell you what's happening. Everything in society is moving the other way. We are not engaged. We are in a society that moves towards watching, and we have TV to thank for that, and entertainment. And it is everywhere. It is rampant everywhere. You don't have three channels at home on your TV. You have more than you could, you, there's more TV for you. You could live to be 180 years of age and not watch enough TV. And there's always another event to go watch. A couple of weeks ago, Wanda and I went to our first football game of the year together, and I, we enjoyed it. I always enjoy it. But I went into the stands, and um, we found some seats and got with some friends. And, but I, I noticed the people around, were, the game's not even started, and they're already talking, and they're already like telling the coach from the stands what to do. Oh, so are we in that section? Uh, no, that, that section was the whole side. It was the whole stadium. And then as the game started, and then they're really, they're just yelling whatever it is that they want out. And I'm not going to tell you what game and who they're playing. It doesn't really matter because it could be any stadium, any high school on any Friday night, quite frankly. But they were yelling crazy things. And, and it occurs to me as I look around, and they're yelling about some kid, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure you could even run the 100 yards. I'm not trying to be critical here, but think about it. The kid's running the right way. I mean, at least he's, you know, better than your kid. But anyway, I'm not being critical of your kid. But, I mean, at least he's got his helmet on the right way. But anyway, I'm just, I'm watching this, and I, I tell you that we had a great, we had a good time. But everyone, and what happened was, you, you've got thousands of people in the stands. You have, you know, and this is John Maxwell's definition of a football game. His definition of a football game is 22 guys on a field in desperate need of rest and thousands of people in the stands in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> is that true? It is. But we're in an entertainment, passive, watching, observing, and might I add critical in light of what I heard in the stands. And then you know what happened? Second quarter, I saw a play develop and I saw linebackers, I played linebacker in high school, I saw linebackers rush the line as the guy dropped back to pass, and I saw safeties run back too quickly. And I said out loud, oh, they've created a gap. They should do a hook and go. 
I, they should do a slant in. They should do five down slant. He'd have 15 yards. I couldn't believe it. I became one of the critiquers in the stands. <laughs> hey, buddy, you should run a slant in. It's wide open down the middle of the field. You blind? What's wrong with you? Mine said, have you had your meds today? Have you, you need to calm down. You need to calm down, sir. She moved away from me and called me sir like she didn't know who I was. <laughs> What's the matter with you? And so the very thing that I was critical of, I became a part of, because I'm in the soup of it. Does that make sense? Okay, and here's what's going to happen. As long as you observe and watch, even in the Christian faith, get this, if you observe and watch in the Christian faith, you will be a critiquer. But it's way more fun, trust me on this, it's way more fun to play the game than it is just to watch it. If you'll do that with the faith and really engage, become something, ask yourself, what do I want to become a year from now, even three months from now, six, eight weeks, 12 weeks at the most, could I become more patient, more kind? Could I, could I be more honest with myself? Could I work on that one thing? Could I have a, a small band of people who would pray for me for that? That's becoming. And then belonging. And could I believe Jesus to change the trajectory of my life? It could happen. It could really happen. It will only happen if you decide to engage. If you decide to engage. Let's bow for prayer. And so, Lord... Let's not just hear another sermon. Let's put our faith into motion, we pray. Because we don't want to just watch the game of Christianity. We want to be a part of the game. Because we want the joy of the victory of it all. We want the joy of the victory. And you made us for that. You made us for that. Um, your decision this morning might be to trust Christ. It might be to, okay, I'm going to actively be involved in a group. It might be to serve somewhere. Uh, it might be the Lord's laid something on your heart. You just need to lead something that we, we don't have yet. Didn't, jot that on the connection card. Let us know. You, just, you, may, you may be saying, I, I feel prompted to do this. Then do it. But engage. Whatever the Lord is saying to you, act on it. And I pray this with thanksgiving for these dear people. May we live to make your face shine upon us and our face to shine upon yours. We pray in Christ's name. The church says, amen. amen. amen.